What's up, Gravel family? I'm Sophia. And I'm Jason. And this is the Gravel Family Podcast. The Gravel Family Podcast is an encouraging space to motivate more people to get on their bikes and enjoy gravel. We're going to share a variety of stories from hometown pirates to the top tier pros. We're also going to share training tips and insights on gravel worlds and other events, as well as answer your questions that arise through your training season. We are so excited you're here. Welcome to the Gravel Family. We are so excited to have this podcast sponsored by Gooder. Gooder Sunglasses has supported Gravel Worlds for several years, and we're super excited to have them supporting the Gravel Family podcast. Join Gooder with their You Ride You campaign, which basically boils down to if you're on a bike and having fun, you're doing it right. It doesn't matter about your gear, your FTP, or how far you ride. Go to Gooder.com, that's G-O-O-D-R.com, for active sunglasses starting at just $25. Thank you, Gooder, so much for your support. All right, what's up, Gravel family? I'm Jason. And I'm Sophia. And we're had another episode down here at Mid-South in lovely Stillwater, Oklahoma. Uh, our, these episodes are brought to you by Gooder, so thank you so much for Gooder for helping us come down here and do these live recordings. Really appreciate us being able to tell stories and uh, you know be able to do this. And also a huge shout out again to Stone Cloud Brewing, who has been our awesome host down here. So thank you so much to those two. Um, our next guest is awesome. We've wanted her on for a long time so we're really excited to have this absolute legend on the podcast so um, this person has won gold two silvers and a bronze for team usa at the paralympic games Uh, she holds a doctorate in physical therapy so she's smart and awesome on the bike too uh that she was the first para athlete to win gravel worlds uh we actually had to like add a category because we're like i we didn't even think this was possible she was and a she big proponent her. of she, adding she helped us out like yeah. break our brains to help us realize like anybody can do anything um and she was also the first para athlete last year to do the lead boat which is the leadville 100 epic epic mountain b- bike race and a steamboat the next day uh 120 mile journey so 150 okay, 150 yeah. mile journey uh welcome to the podcast meg fisher <laughs> I remember. Actually, I don't remember every one of those miles, but it was a, it was a lot of them. You earned them. Yeah, you earned them, yeah. especially after the hundred the day before. Yes. Uh, let's let's just jump into the lead boat. That's a crazy yeah. challenge. Uh, where yeah, you, in Leadville, which is uh, known for the Leadville 100 race and their hundred mile run races, almost all of it over 10,000 feet. And then the next day, you go into Steamboat Gravel and Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Uh, and do an an epic di- adventure the next day. Uh, what was that whole thing like for you? It was one of the greatest, hardest things I've ever done. Um, I think anyone who rides bikes or like admires cycling, we hear about Leadville and it's iconic. It's an incredible journey. Those 100 miles are I mean, like any race, it's a, it's a roller coaster. Like it starts out one way, the weather changes up high, um, your body feels one way, then it feels another, and then it goes back to feeling good, then it feels awful. I mean, it's a long day. Then to transfer two and a half hours to Steamboat, which is a relatively newer gravel event. Yeah. Um, and that's the Black Horses. I think it's 144 miles, actually. So it's 106 miles in Leadville, because don't let them fool you. It's more than 100 miles. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Steamboat's just a little shy of 150. So you get 250 miles in, uh, in a weekend, all above 6,000 feet, uh, wow. from 6,000 to 11,000 feet. So it's, it's a challenging thing. Um, I tried to do it last year. 
um, or the year before, and I couldn't make the transfer, a really bad rainstorm um, with a faulty rental car that had windshield wipers that didn't work. Oh, no. Oh, you didn't just, like, put your head out the window and <laughs> no. cruise 80 down the interstate? <laughs> no, driving yourself after Leadville is, is challenging, too. So I was able to have a support crew um, in 2022 to do lead boat. Um, I had a great mechanic. I had two swanyers, um, and I couldn't have done it without a lot of help, although I was the one person on the bike. It's a long day. It's a long day, but it's an incredible day. I wanted to show that, like, um, I mean, lead boat, we hold to a pretty high standard. Like, if I can do it with one leg, pretty much, I mean, if you want to do it, chances are people with two legs probably can do it if they want to. <laughs> what was your recovery like or attempt to recover that night between Leadville and Steamboat? It was a very short recovery because um, it took me almost – uh, 11 hours and some change at Leadville because I got to take, I had four flats. Oh, oh my gosh. My goodness. And then um, somebody fell in the mid ride and hit their head and were unconscious for a length of time. Shoot. So I waited, I took care of them um, and waited until search and rescue came. So I was with them for probably, I don't know how long, um, but it was great. I, I used to be an EMT. I'm an athletic trainer. Okay. So like, I know a lot of, you MT. had some experience. Had you some weren't experience. going into a blind. Yeah, yeah. I have a wilderness EMT. So like, I, I was like, I, I am here I am here in the right spot. So let me help you. And eventually, well, eventually they were conscious. They wanted to keep riding. Oh. I had to tell them not to, no. they didn't remember anything. Um, it was pretty scary. It's not fun to be, you know, up on no. pipeline and somebody, their eyes are rolled back and they're not doing a great job of breathing. And you're like, Ooh, Okay, um, but Search and Rescue is amazing. The whole organization crew at, at Leadville is exceptional. Um, but it's just, you're out there. So I wasn't even sure if I was gonna finish Leadville while I, while I was sitting with that gentleman. So thankfully they're okay. They reached out to me afterwards. But That's um, awesome. yeah, Leadville well, was a long day. And then to transfer, I didn't get a ton of sleep. Yeah, then it's yeah. like a three hour drive, four two and hour, a half. two and a half, yeah. yeah. So yeah, then you have a drive, which uh -huh. yep. sitting in a car is not recovery uh -uh. position. No. <laughs> yeah, then, watching for deer. And then oh. you start 8 a.m. the next day. Is that when something like that's early? early yeah, in, I'll uh, just, sure. Yeah, <laughs> 6 a.m., 7 a.m., I don't know. <laughs> Nobody gets enough sleep that night. Was your nutrition okay? Like, did you have to change your nutrition at all that weekend with such a challenge? Did you have to carb load that night? What was your nutrition plan for that well, week? You, really, you can eat whatever you want. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you almost can't eat enough. Um, I pretty much stayed with the same nutrition plan like all weekend. Um, a lot of fish, uh, some light, I guess lighter on the um, roughage, if you like the greens, yeah. and then um, some carbs, like carbs and protein would probably yeah. be the biggest things. What was wow. the biggest thing you learned coming out of that weekend? It's it's scary how strong we all are. I mean, we uh, I've always said it's like we're capable of more than we know. Um, and you don't really know what you're capable of until you have those challenges put in front of you. Like, I didn't know if I could do lead boat. Like, I knew I could do Leadville. I've done Leadville a few times. I know that any day I could do steamboat. But to do that back to back is that's the question mark. Like, yeah. Um, and really steamboat. I had to walk some of those climbs. There was a lot of time that I walked just because like monitor carriage just didn't want to sit down and my heart rate um i couldn't get my heart rate early above 140 beats per minute and so like if it was a steep climb i just couldn't i just couldn't ride um were you bonked is that why you, like your heart rate wouldn't get up 
No, I was just, I wasn't bonked. I, like I was calorically okay. It was just that my body was so fatigued. Inter I wow. couldn't get my heart rate up. I couldn't sustain a high heart rate. So it was like, it was just a matter of finishing. Wow, that's incredible. It wasn't beautiful, but I did it. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. that's <laughs> half the time at any type of adventure race, it's about the finish. It's not, it, the whole journey to get to that finish is what is it's all about. So yeah, you finishing that <laughs> is ridiculous. Like, I, mean, I think Gravel Worlds, you have the, the long voyage, right? Yep, yep. long voyage, the 300. 300, and um, like what a journey that is for people or people want to do, was it Unbound XL yep. or other bike packing adventures. It's like these long journeys that you like, the bike is an amazing tool. It's highly adaptable. I mean, you can have a good bike fit and then it's wheels. Like you get to coast downhill. I mean, you can pedal downhill yeah. um, and then you can have really friendly gear ratios that allow you to get up those hills. Bikes are amazing. So let's throw it all the way back because we know the Meg Fisher now, but what was your journey to get here as an elite rider? Ooh, um, let's see. I've always been sporty. Um, I was a college tennis player, so if Allison Tetrick is listening, I still want to play you sometime. <laughs> um, I, I think it'd be hysterical to get out and hit some balls before like oh yeah a race sometime. Anyway, um, let's see. I was hurt in June 30th, uh, 2002. So uh, for those of you listening, you can't see that I'm sitting here with one foot instead of two. Um, and I had my leg ripped off in a car accident. Oh, oh my no. goodness. Um, and I also had a pretty significant uh, TBI where I had to have some brain surgery. I spent some time in a coma. My pupils were fixed and dilated and I couldn't breathe on my own. Um, they were, I was, I was checking out, but due to some other people, they, they, they kept me in the game. And what year was this? 2002. Okay. I can't believe it. Uh, that's been 21 that long. years. 21 yeah. years. Like that time flies by. Um, I was 19 when I got hurt. So if you're doing the math, I'm 40 years old. Ooh. I cracked the 40 code last week. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> Happy late birthday. Thank you. Happy big 4 Oh. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you had told me I'd be here, you know, when I was 19, I wouldn't believe, I wouldn't believe you. I mean, how could, could you, I, I went from like, think back to when you were 19, mm -hmm. everything feels good. You're maybe you're in college or starting some of your first jobs. You've graduated from high school maybe. And like the world is your oyster. Then all of a sudden I was like knocked literally on my back. I couldn't sit up. I couldn't talk. Um, one of the parts of my brain that got injured was my, the talking part. Shoot. So I had trouble thinking and I had no social filter. I've, I still have trouble with word, word finding sometimes, mm -hmm. but it seems more normal. Um, but I got to relearn how to talk. I mean, I had to relearn how to sit up and how to talk or walk. Um, I had half of my abdominal muscles removed. So I'm basically like a turtle. Like if I lay down, I can't get up. I have to roll wow. over. Really? Like, yeah. Yeah. I can't do a sit up. That's correct. That's so Wow. So yeah. you have, was it the same side that they took? Yeah. Or why um, so, were they damaged? Like that's um, crazy. That so they... yeah, like I, I I ripped off my foot. <laughs> Don't do that. Number one. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so pro tip. <laughs> yeah. Um, then they, what they thought was um, they'll use my stomach muscles as a muscle graft to cover the hole in my leg where my foot had been because um, you have to have like uh, bone doesn't sorry, skin does not grow over bone. It has to have like a nice substrate. So they took the muscle and they took skin from my thigh and covered the hole in my leg. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And um, so at the time I only ripped off like part of my foot. And so they used my stomach muscles and again, I had skin grafts. 
11 months after that, they took more of my legs. So I was lucky enough to have my leg amputated twice. Oh. And then um, after... Because um, it I, didn't heal right? Um, I had really bad arthritis. Okay. So my ankle joint was still intact. So it, um, I had a four-foot avulsion fracture, which means, again, ripped off. And then they're like, well, let's just keep as much of her leg as possible. And then 11 months later, just really wasn't possible. Like what was left of my ankle or my calcaneus and my talus and my shin bones just really bad and to give me more function they're like you need to lose more of your leg yeah. um and i i was 19 i wanted to get back to what everything i thought i could do and wanted to do mm -hmm. um so they took more of my leg which is just crazy to like walk yeah. into the hospital and then have somebody like literally sign away part of your body um and then 11 months after i lost my leg the second time i did my first triathlon sorry but i think this is the first 50k guy yep. running yes. by that's cool there's our 50k champ he is striding out, ladies and gentlemen. He sure is. Wow. That All is, right. That's well, going to be a three hour and 25 minute finish yeah. on a 50K. That's incredible. That's incredible. Well, I did not know that we're going to have runners running by this yeah. whole time. That's exciting. Yeah. Oh, and here comes our second one right behind him. Very cool. Looking fresh as a daisy. All right. So let's get back to yeah. it. So yeah. what was your recovery process? How long did it take until things became quote unquote normal? Well, it's all, I mean, I think we're all defining new normals every day. Yeah. Um, I didn't know what normal would be. So for a while it was like, okay, I'm, <laughs> it took a long time because actually after I lost my leg the second time, I had a lot of function. Again, I did my first triathlon that was like broke a lot of barriers for me because I always thought triathletes like three sports in one day, like how does a body do that sort of thing? Um, so to be a triathlete was like my entry back into myself because like sports, had always been a part of my life and then losing my leg was like oh no like my life is gonna be totally different and then finding triathlon hugely empowering although a year after that um i had some complications and they told me i'd never walk again oh my goodness and um at that point i got paired with a service dog her name was betsy the wonder dog oh, what kind of dog she was a little border collie healer oh <laughs> she's brilliant she had freckles oh so cute <laughs> and um I did end up regaining the ability to walk. And so mm -hmm. Betsy, like she could pull my wheelchair, open doors, pick up things. And then I could walk. And it's like, I wanted to play with my dog too. Cause she's still a dog. Yeah. And I saw people mountain biking with their dogs. So I was like, well, maybe I can do that. So I started mountain biking with Betsy. So Betsy is the reason I got into bikes. So that wow. was the long story too. I was really, really hurt. Um, had a lot of surgeries, had some other setbacks. And then I had Betsy the wonder dog. Aww. And so um, she, didn't care that I was slow because I was afraid that I like I didn't want to ride with other people because maybe I was gonna be the slow one and Betsy didn't care and but I wanted to be as fast as Betsy because at first Betsy could kick my butt um, and turns out if you're as fast as a border collie healer you gain some fitness <laughs> got it you, you had to keep up with her right and then I met other people on the trail and then I did you know Xterra off-road triathlon I was the first para athlete to ever do that and then um, I did 24-hour mountain bike racing, met some friends, did that. Through them, I met somebody on the national team. And so I got invited to a national team camp. They said, if you maybe don't mountain bike as much, you could probably earn a position on the national road team. And um, I eventually did that. So then I, I started racing on the national team. So I was uh, on the paracycling team and went around Europe. Ended up going to the games twice. I have 11 world championships with them. Um, and I retired from the national team in 2017 after the Rio 22, 2016 games. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
So the gravel's been where it's at. It's kind of fun. It's like I did mountain biking. I always wanted to race for Team USA. Got to do that, but that was on the road. And then to get back to my roots in gravel and mountain. We love being able to talk to athletes who have been to the Olympics, and you are one of them. Um, what was Rio like? What were some of your experiences that you got to have there? Um, hmm. So Rio was hard. I actually got asked for a divorce before, right before I left for team oh, camp. Oh, man. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> I think, you know, uh, those of you who have been, I mean, if you break up with somebody, I mean, it sucks. Yeah. And going through a divorce, it sucks. Even if that's what's supposed to happen, you know, or what needs to happen or it's better for both of you, it doesn't mean it doesn't suck. So Rio, I think, was tainted with a lot of heartbreak for me. Um, uh, you can actually watch my 3K pursuit ride on the YouTube, um, if you maybe have heard of it. Um, <laughs> it's pretty fun. Like, I was losing badly. Um, and then I was able to win um, the, the, in the last... 500 meters it was actually Amazing. it's a pretty fun race to watch it's, it's it is like watching paint dry a little bit but it's like it's kind of exciting at the end so to yeah. come back and win that um it's like i didn't come that far to not have something to go home with anyway long i'm rambling now guys but like rio was amazing it was um sad i ended up getting an upper respiratory infection and had to be quarantined from my team oh no oh my gosh so, so you probably didn't get to see a lot of rio the Oh, no, I had no. I had four races. So okay. my, my first race was on the first day of the game. So I didn't okay. even get to go to opening ceremony. Oh, no. Um, and I ended up coming away with the bronze that day. And then I had a day off. And then I had more racing. And then I have, I had like four days off, quote unquote off. But then you have, that's all road prep. And then it's the time trial, which is my best event. And I got a silver there, then a day off. And then it's the road race on the last day of the games. So um, as a cyclist, like I, I saw nothing of Rio. Um, it's just pure it's, just, it's business time yeah that's that's the show so i got i didn't get to see any of rio what well, oh, well, was that the only uh olympics you went to i went to london london well yeah. did you have a better experience at, in london um uh, yes uh <laughs> this is the complete opposite so, um, <laughs> so it's, it's actually quite funny because um in in london um my girlfriend came and um she was there to watch me win my gold medal. Same, same idea. I still had four races. So it was the first day of the games. I won a silver. It was amazing. And then a day rest and then um, another race and then a few days off. Then there was the time trial, win a gold. My mom, my girlfriend was there. And then day off and the, did a, had a good road race. And then as soon as the, my racing was done, we took the channel from London to Paris and she proposed on the Eiffel Tower at sunset. <gasps> Nice. Shut up. <laughs> oh, my heart just melted. Right? Well, I mean, you, it melts. So you think like London 2012. Oh, gold, silver, diamond. Yay. <laughs> and then and then we get to <laughs> Rio. We get divorce. <laughs> Sickness. Oh. I mean, I still won two medals, but they're all you know, yeah. a step down. So I got a silver and a bronze. Um, so it was like, it was the highs and lows. And so yeah. um, Bike racing is an amazing thing. It takes a lot of sacrifice, and I'm grateful for my partner for all those years of support that they were able to give. And I'm not saying cycling's the reason we got divorced, but um, <laughs> at all. I'm just saying, like, you know, it just it is what it is. Yeah. That's really cool. That I mean, you still find like can look back at those memories in in just different ways, you know, and like find the positives out of them too. Yeah. So, I, I, I think you have to, right? There's lessons always. What were the like races like were those like the hardest races you've done uh, were at the olympics with 
the elite of the elite on, on those, or is there other races that are more individual that you look back that those are th those were way harder? I think one of the hardest races I ever did was Gravel World. Oh, I'm not even kidding. This Quick is not little like shout so, out. It's not even like I know I'm sitting here with you, but like you publicly and, say that a lot. I so, do. Yeah, I publicly say that because it it is like um, it. This is what I tell everybody. If you if you got a second to listen, okay. So, <laughs> I've done a bunch of racing. Okay, I feel like I've I I know how to suffer. I know what I love being hot. I love uphill. I love wind. I love I can suffer with the best of them because I know generally I can hurt more than somebody else, mm -hmm. and I enjoy it. Um, so I I just done Unbound. I was uh, the first paracyclist to ever do Unbound, um, male or female. Um, the 200 mile race, and at the that's a big day in the saddle, fair mm -hmm. bit of climbing. Anyway, later that summer, I got an invitation to come to Gravel Worlds. I was like, oh, cute. Um, 150 <laughs> miles, Nebraska, cute. darling. Um, and I did not give it the credit that it deserves. So yes, I was trained. Yes, I felt, I felt very capable of doing that race, doing the 150 mile race. Mm -hmm. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> I mean, it's hot. And it's basically on a grid because we are in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. And so it's like east, west, north, south, 90 degrees. There was like a gentle wind out of the west that gave just the, like enough of a headwind that it sucked. Yeah. But though if you're headed like east, it was not enough to push you. So it was useless to me. And then if you turn like south or north, you're between soybean fields and cornfields. Yeah. Y'all, they sweat. Yep. So they sure do. So you're creating your own sweat. And then the produce, not produce, well, produce, and like the, the rough, the produce, roughage. Soon to be produce. Yeah, the roughage around you is also sweating and there's no breeze. So you're just like in this steam room. So it's like headwind, steam room, nothing. Headwind, steam room. And there's nothing flat about Nebraska. Nothing. No. I mean, yes, there's short. I-80. I-80's flat. Interstate. Yeah. No, I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't believe you a little bit. This is what they lure you. Like, oh, it's not that steep. But the hills keep coming. So when they talk about, like, the open rolling seas of Nebraska, yeah. they're not kidding. <laughs> so Gravel Worlds was the hardest thing I've ever done. There's more climbing in the 150-mile course than at the Unbound 200. So if that gives you some perspective. Did you have fun doing it, though? For most of it. <laughs> and but, yeah, I, I mean, that's the honest answer. Like, I, it was the hardest thing I've ever, one of the hardest things. Like, hardest thing ever would be lead boat followed by gravel worlds. So then, so that means you're going to do the 300 this year, right? <laughs> Long pause. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. To, be, to be fair, the 300 comparatively doesn't have as much climbing because we go we get a little bit out of the really hilly section. It's just so. 150 more miles. Yeah, it's no big deal. You start a day earlier, so you got twice the amount of time. You know, I'm all for people who want to do that. Like, I support people. I, again, I do believe we're more capable than we know. I'm working on a single engine, friends. Like, y'all are like leg doping, okay? Like, you guys take your two legs, have a great time across the open seas of Nebraska. I am very happy with my 150. I love it. Well, and I mean, on that front, you you were also the first uh, para athlete, ma man or woman, that finished Gravel Worlds para category, and it was good for us because you like broke, like I said at the intro, you broke what we thought was possible. And I mean, because of you, we've added para categories uh, uh, for all of our distances, and then even 
this last year for the winter endurance, we added our, our February winter event and we had two people on hand bikes finish. And last year at gravel worlds, that same cyclist was the first hand hand cyclist to finish the 150, which is absolutely insane to do that. So uh, you're, you're part of that history. So thank you for doing that. And the amount of times, like I've sent you an email being like, am I doing this right? Like, is this correct? And you're, you're just, it's a good transition into you're a huge advocate for expanding para categories in all off-road events, but especially mm -hmm. gravel. Um, what has that journey been like for you on, on being that, that face? Cause I think at one point you weren't, didn't want to be that face of gravel, but you've, you've embraced it. So what, how's that journey been? Well, it's a, it's a giant privilege. Um, so it's a, it's a great opportunity to, to match my, passion with cycling and para like international para racing um into what i do now in in the off-road space and just watch gravel grow as the fastest growing segment of cycling it's i want to make sure that there's space at the table i mean the table's huge um it just may need one of those chairs needs to be set aside for para athletes um so para means alongside it's a greek prefix um i choose para versus like adaptive or something like that, which is a bit longer than adaptive, is very English, and para is international, um, very neutral. Because there are people with physical impairments all over the world. Actually, 15% of the world's population lives the permanent physical impairment. That was uh, a study that came out last fall. Wow. Uh, from the World Health Organization. I did not know that. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge segment. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. And so um, I think what's wonderful about gravel uh, right now being relatively unsanctioned is that there's the opportunity to recognize people um whether it's uh, in trans non-binary gender expansive categories um making sure there's a space at the table of, um, for people of, of color um and making the start lines more representative of the general population a lot of times gravel or mountain can seem more intimidating than road racing um maybe with bike handling or what have you however gravel i think actually is more inviting because we don't have to deal with cars quite as much. They don't have to do pace lining and a hand cycle. Uh, tr tricycles have a little bit harder time on this uneven terrain, but a trike can do it or a um, tandem cycles. Like bikes are one of the greatest adaptable tools. Like nobody really rides the same bike. Everyone has like maybe a stem adjustment or a different length of reach or um, SRAM has come out with really great like E-tap. So if you don't have great hand dexterity, you can easily affect the change like the shifting or you can put the shifting both on one side you can ride with one leg you can ride with no legs in a hand cycle if you don't have great vision you can ride on the back of a tandem um i know people who ride with just one arm and one leg because they don't have both arms or both legs i know people who ride with prosthetics on both arms and both legs like they it's amazing what people can do yeah. if there's a will there's a way right you, you literally just mentioned every we had all of those at gravel worlds last year so like our pair our tandem champion who were literally fourth overall the the guy on the back he he is like 99 percent blind he can only see light and yes. dark so you yeah. mentioned that our adventure for all athletes um who have down syndrome and autism that we've loved partnering with they yeah. use electronic shifting because it's um you know shift shift left shift right they can say that where it makes it more simple for them mm -hmm. in different ways. So th there's, 
a bike can be the great unifier for yeah. all people. Yeah. And it's, it's, I'm so glad you mentioned that because right. like we've gotten to experience that you've gotten to experience right. that and you're advocating for all of them, yeah. not just people with one leg, you know, oh, that, no. that are people yeah. like you. So yeah. it's really, it's really great that you're not just trying to be like, well, this is my experience. You're like, no, there's so much more out there and we can all be a part of it. Yeah, the wheel is an amazing technology. Like, I think it'll catch on. <laughs> was there someone in your life that inspired you to start riding, or did you kind of come into it yourself? Um, I mean, I blame, again, a lot of good on my dog. Um, although, Rebecca Rush, I think she's yeah. uh, somebody that a lot of people look up to, and, and her success at Leadville especially um, really made me want to try that course. Um, Rebecca's amazing. She's from Downers Grove, Illinois which is not far from where I went to high school. Um, mm -hmm. And she's now calls it Idaho home. It's amazing to like have watched her and her adventure racing and how she just, she still holds some of the records at Leadville for like, she's stupid fast. She, it's wild. When we had her on the podcast, one thing that blew my mind was she was like talking about her world championships. And it's like not biking like obviously she's a great mountain biker she's in the mountain bike hall of fame she's managing gravel cyclist she's in the gravel cycling hall of fame but then she was like she's like yeah i have a kayaking world championship and like and then she's yeah. like yeah she is wild like she's so so rad yeah it's bananas um her event uh, rebecca's private idaho rpi in yep. um, sun valley idaho is another is probably one of my favorite gravel events it's uh, especially being the queen stage race there's uh yeah. like three days of racing um over four days and you just get such a great opportunity to meet people and explore explore the world by bike and it's also really stinking hard and i think we all like challenges and it's yeah. like the challenges we choose can also prepare us for the challenges we don't choose that's actually one of our questions we had prepared for you like do you have any bucket list challenges or events that you have left to complete that you have your eye on um I think later this summer I'm going to migration gravel in Kenya. Um, gravel is taking off all over the world with um, U USA Cycling is looking at it, trying to govern it. Um, UCI now has gravel worlds. Mm -hmm. I know that that's been a contention <laughs> with uh, gravel worlds itself. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I've been to the UCI headquarters in Eagle and um, Switzerland. It's, they, there's a lot of good that can come from regulation. And there's also some not so good parts, right? Like sock height gets regulated, bike weight. I mean, the UCI gets a lot of flack as well. Um, I want to make sure that people around the world have the opportunities that we have here. Um, gravel looks different in Europe because people have been on those roads longer than they've been in the ones in Idaho or Montana. Um, a lot of the gravel are probably old carriage roads that knights in shining armor went down that said there's i've ridden gravel in germany and switzerland and france and scotland it's all over um and bikes are a great unifier there's not just bike trails in northern europe there's biking in central south america there's biking in africa and australia and russia and china and blah 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 like it's it's the, i mean it's a great way and i want to make sure that people around the world um, and, and event organizers make sure they continue to make space or see the value um, in having start lines that are representative of their general population. So I hope to go to, yes, go to Europe, um, migration in Kenya, and I'd like to do other events um, internationally just to show what is possible and help 
or race organizers um, live their ideals. Because I have never met a race organizer who is exclusionary, who, who, intends, who intends to make their races inaccessible. They right. maybe just don't know how to make them accessible. Right. And it's um, my privilege and honor to um, do that, help support that. Um, obviously, traveling around the world, getting to do these awesome adventures and challenges, um, a lot of times that is possible because of awesome sponsors. So who are some sponsors that you would love to give some love out to that support your, your journeys? Yeah, um, that's just, like you said, like I couldn't do this without the help of others. Like mm -hmm. it goes back to like, I wouldn't be alive without the help of others. Like somebody pulled me out of the car, somebody breathed for me, somebody um, literally saved my life. And um, I want to use those hard experiences I had that I think, you know, are generally rec reflected in the human experience. Like we all have hard obstacles and we've had people that help us get past those. And I have some great companies that I work with that help me get past some of the obstacles I have now to hopefully um, help more people. So I work with Cannondale. They've been an amazing, um, they, they, they see the, the value in um, para-athletes uh, and helping me get to those start races because again, bikes are awesome. Um, Rafa has great clothes, pocket makes a helmet. I mean, as somebody who had a pretty sick, I mean, I've had brain surgery, you guys. Yeah. Like, I do not mess around. You gotta okay. take care of that noggin. Yeah, you got, I mean, a good skull bucket is super important. <laughs> um, and they make great sunglasses, because gosh, you're, you know, eyes, primary sense, you need it. Um, I remember in grad school, uh, I, was, I went to grad school, UW Medicine, and my professor said, like, if I ever see you guys riding a bike without a helmet, I am going to expel you from the company our program because I'm not going to put that much effort into your brain only for you to turn it to mush. Oh, that's great. That's, that's genius. That's a smart professor. Right. I mean, you, you think about it, like you guys yeah. put a lot of thought and effort into growing your brain. I always Protect feel it. like that weird, creepy lady that will see kids without a helmet, like riding down the street and I'll be in my car, I'll be walking down the street and I'm like, Hey kid, you'd look a lot cooler with a helmet on. hundred percent. Like go away. But there's, who knows? There's a, there's a, friend i know that never wears a cycle uh, wears a helmet and i'm just like dude like if you're riding with me you're gonna wear a helmet yeah and i was like i'm sorry if that means we're not <laughs> riding together but i was like i'm not gonna be there to watch you like turn into a pumpkin like it's not gonna no we're yeah. not doing that so as a physical therapist i've worked in hospital settings and i've met people who have hit their heads and not been protected and i've met people who have yeah um <laughs> it's just there's there's I, one guy in lincoln yeah that every time I've seen him rides without a helmet on and I literally there I saw him wreck one time mm. and he smacked his head open I pulled a like an extra t-shirt out of my backpack to stop his bleeding called 911 for him and like he was concussed pretty bad mm -hmm. and you know EMTs get there like six months later I see this guy riding without a helmet still I'm like oh, they never like, learn <laughs> like, come on man wear a helmet wear, wearing a helmet's cool yeah. Wearing a helmet is not cool. Yeah. And you know what rule number one is? Be cool. Be cool. Appreciate right. that. And you were a huge part of changing. So our number one rule used to be don't be lame. And you had the genius idea and kind of opened our eyes to why we needed to change it to something more inclusionary. Yeah. It was just a gentle nudge. I mean, you yep. guys do yeah. an amazing job. Like, and I mean, with anything, we can only see through the eyes that we see through like yep. the lenses that we have and it's not until somebody kind of helps you broaden your perspective you go like oh yeah like that's what i meant but i can see how that didn't yep. mm -hmm. feel so cool yeah, and you, yeah 
so yeah, thanks for doing that for oh. helping us rebrand again. It used to be we actually were like, well, maybe we go back to don't be a dick. That was the first one. <laughs> that, that was the first one, and then we got too many people. And, I am a fan of uh, don't be a dick. We, we might have some uh, underground stickers at Gravel Worlds this year that go back <laughs> to the original. But and <clears throat> the other big factor too is when we okay, we're gonna rebrand this. Let's do something that's not gonna change. Like we we, we were actually like looked at be rad. And it's like, well, rad can mean radical, and that could be like this political thing. So like, not gonna do that. But the, a big thing was we wanted to create it, change it to be a positive too. So yes, don't, yeah. don't be, is like if you're saying to somebody yeah. like, hey, don't do that. It's like no, that's it like instantly puts your mm-hmm. guards up. Where it's like, be cool, man. Like, hey, be cool, be cool. Yeah. Like it's just it decelerates. Everybody knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. So yeah. It, so thank you again for just being like, hey, you know what? Lames maybe not the best. I know what you're trying to say, but yeah. maybe not the best word. It's like, you know what? You're right. Right. Doesn't hurt anybody to change it. It makes more people feel included. And yeah. the biggest reason that that conversation started is because we were working with you to help expand our para categories. Yeah. You know, and it's like, how can you have para categories if you're using? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you using, know? using not the best language mm-hmm. of yeah. a word that means being able to not walk like not walk it's, yeah, it's like, like Ooh. yeah yeah kind of not have a choice. not the most tactful <laughs> so thank you for Oof. for that and th- and again that's we've, we've talked about this on before a lot of times like change comes from kindness mm-hmm. and that and you are a very good example of that of like you've never that i know of <laughs> gone up to a race promoter and be like how dare you not do these things you go up to him and be like hey you have you're missing an opportunity here of making more people better. And so mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate that about you, of like how you lead conversations with kindness at, at the beginning. So, Oh, well, it's easy. Cause it's like right back at you. I mean, <laughs> it's like what, you know, you put, you get back what you put out. Right. And um, I mean, so many of us, like, especially in like racing situations like this, so you could talk about how um, like, <laughs> not diverse the cycling community can be but it's often like people go home and they talk about what they saw at this event or somebody sees the media of this of an event or something like that they go like oh man maybe that's something i want to try and how many folks don't think that they could ride 25 miles Mm -hmm. or they don't think that they could ride 50 or 100 200 300 you know like it very quickly becomes exclusionary because i think sport to some extent is exclusionary I mean, Everest, climbing Everest, Everest is Everest. A marathon is a marathon distance. That's what's so wonderful about gravel, I think, is because there are all these distances and there is all these opportunities to invite people to the table and so that they can redefine their abilities. I love that so much. You are actually the first athlete we've partnered with in any way uh, for an athlete discount code. Um, So we wanted to give some love out that to you. So if you are wanting to sign up for gravel worlds, please use the code Meg Fisher for 10% off on our pair of categories. Um, that's running double doing run and bike or just biking. Um, use that code for our pair of categories. Um, Meg Fisher, no spaces, no caps. Um, and we will link that or put that in yes. both the bio and the uh, Instagram will post. So but, yeah, much appreciated. So yeah. And just, you know, Fisher has no C. It's just like a fish. Like, I mean, my name is short. You don't want to waste any time with any extra letters. Just Meg Fisher. I love it. So actually, one question we got from Instagram was... It was from Jason's wife, too. She she asked, what's the largest fish you've ever caught? Uh, uh, She had a very... She was trying to be very punny. Oh, yeah. So um, 
I'm a Pisces, if you guys put that together. Um, last name Fisher. And my dad is a commercial fisherman off the coast of British Columbia. No way. Um, so the biggest fish I've caught was probably probably like a 28 pound coho. Um, what? Yeah. So, oh my gosh, that's a huge fish. That's awesome. Yeah. Was that or spring. net caught? Maybe, maybe or is, spring. That, is that line caught? Or? Yes. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. So th this was a million years ago. So this is like the, the waters off of British Columbia. He lives on Vancouver Island have been overfished um the yep. fishery management like it's it's hard for folks now to catch fish um for a while though you could just like drop a line and bang that's awesome that's well it's not awesome now but right. that's yeah that's yeah cool. um, so that was our one instagram question we ended up getting well there. much appreciated <laughs> i've never been asked that <laughs> <laughs> there you go annie you got i it. mean it was a million years ago um <laughs> it's yeah british Columbia's is amazing if, just so you all know if you are in fishing go to the northwest territories really great know. fishing love good it good to know um so we uh are really thankful gooder sponsored this podcast uh so that we could come down here and share some stories down here much appreciated uh, so one one question we had for everybody today is what is the goodest moment of last year for you oh gosh the goodest moment is oh it kind of gets me choked up um there's a lot of a lot of good happened last year I'm really grateful for the, again those sponsors who came back into my life. Um, when I retired in 2017, I didn't know like what role the bike would play in my life again. Um, and with the advocacy work and people recognizing the value and the importance of having paracyclists, like the bike has become an even bigger part of my life again, and it's become a job that I am incredibly passionate about. Like I could not do what I do without people like you guys sitting here and the people listening and um like yes i have sponsors but please you guys know like i'm not very rich like i came here to, and i was going to sleep in a car okay um and so it's like the goodness of so many people like opening their doors and opening their events and seeing the value in the, what i also hold dear to my heart and it's not again not just me it's it's reflective of so many people and it's um it's a privilege uh 20 years later for, you know, from um my accident where i i had no idea where i'd be um i'm so lucky and now i'm crying <laughs> this is the second time i've cried today so i'm right there with you yeah um just i'm so lucky and i want to say thank you i love that answer well that's the best one <laughs> so far so um I, to be honest, so we have one last question, but honestly, that thank you goes right back at you. The whole Gravel community, this Gravel family is better because of you. Genuinely, to the bottom of my heart, I'm a, I'm a better promoter because of you. Our event is better because of you. We've, there's, it's, the world is better because you're in it, just so you know. Um, with, be, you know, with being down here at Mid-South, Bobby said something last year along the lines of, to, together we are heavy and i think that is very true with you here yep we need those we need voices like yours so thank you for putting yourself out there for advocating for people who haven't been advocated for uh before and yeah so um you're really special to the history of gravel worlds and um you're special to me too so it's an honor to call you friend and all that stuff so before we go, Sophia always has one last question. Yes, so Meg, we just had a very good answer to the goodest moment, but what does the Gravel family mean to you as a whole? 
Oh, the gravel family. I kind of call us like the traveling circus. <laughs> that could not be truer. Um, I mean, there's some people I only get to see um, at these events, and they truly have become like family. Um, like, what do they mean to me? They, hmm. In a lot of ways, they're they're the reason, right? I mean, we wouldn't be here without them. And um, wanting to have our family grow and expand, I think, and to just share that that love as widely as possible and and because um, i mean cycling i don't think isn't just a sport it's a lifestyle and i think our family has a pretty cool lifestyle yeah so yeah love i mean that's great. And, i mean i think the word community sometimes gets overused and, and washed out and so what does that mean i just uh i think fundamentally there's like this yeah um limitless and love Good answer. Good answer. Love it. So well, thank you so much, Meg, for everything. And thanks for being on the podcast and taking some time out of your very busy w- race weekend schedule. So we appreciate you. Oh, it's it's a, a huge privilege. It's um, I couldn't say thank you enough. Uh, what you do, like, again, race organizers, I think it's too easy to point out what people are doing wrong, unfortunately. It's, that's really easy to say. And um, you guys are getting so much stuff right and because of you, we get to come together and we get to bring the family together and we get to go out and play bikes well thank you so much and we cannot wait to have you back in nebraska giddy up i'm sophia i'm jason i'm meg and this has been another episode of the gravel family podcast we will see you next time We are so excited to have this podcast sponsored by Gooder. Gooder Sunglasses has supported Gravel Worlds for several years, and we're super excited to have them supporting the Gravel Family podcast. Join Gooder with their You Ride You campaign, which basically boils down to if you're on a bike and having fun, you're doing it right. It doesn't matter about your gear, your FTP, or how far you ride. Go to Gooder.com, that's G-O-O-D-R.com, for active sunglasses starting at just $25. Thank you, Gooder, so much for your support. Gravel Family Podcast is a Pirate Cycling League production. Gravel Worlds and Pirate Cycling League are owned and operated by Gravel Adventures LLC, Lincoln, Nebraska. For more information on Gravel Family Podcast, visit www.gravelfamily.bike. For information on Gravel Worlds or Pirate Cycling League, go to www.gravel-worlds.com.